0: your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and Happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy B. Wilson. Uh, we talked about Charles Colchester this week. Yep. Yeah, what what a hoot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole thing is really interesting. I like I said at the top of that, he's somebody that has come up periodically when I'm looking at other stuff and I keep going, "Oh, I got to look into that." But then when I did, like one, it's a uh it offered insight that I had not explored before. It's certainly been discussed before by many other people into the way that the Lincoln marriage functioned in regards to Mary Todd Lincoln's interest in spiritualism and the beyond Mm -hmm. Um, because you will see people that will assert that that president lincoln was into it as well but most of the historians that i uh, ran across while researching kind of indicate what we talked about in the episode that he was kind of more like i just want to make sure like nothing truly terrible is happening to my wife at these things Mm -hmm. that nobody is taking advantage of her in a, in a way that could be detrimental, um, which is just fascinating. And we should say that Colchester, particularly during that trial, he was often called the medium of the Lincolns or the First Lady's spiritualist, but he was one of many and not even necessarily like her favorite by any means. So yeah. I don't, don't want to misrepresent him as like the one in the midst of all of that.
1: Yeah, well, and the uh, questions about whether uh, Abraham Lincoln himself was a sp- spiritualist. That's like, that's not just a new topic. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, one of the, as I was trying to see if I could find a picture of Colchester anywhere, one of the things I found was this book from 1891 called, Was Abraham Lincoln a Spiritualist? <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, that work of of Henry figuring out the whole thing and relaying, like, Oh, here it is. It's this crazy mm-hmm. device on a mm-hmm. that they put on a bicep and Lincoln being like, I get it. That's cool." Um, I, I sort of love that idea that he was just like, "Interesting. Interesting." I feel like I want to make fake business cards that say I practice jugglery. I yeah. Don't. I, don't. <laughs> I don't juggle nor do I have the skill for close-up magic or sleight of hand, even though I love that stuff. I don't I don't have the power. <laughs>
1: I learned how to juggle a little many years ago when I was in high school and doing musical theater, we did the musical Barnum because there was an uh, there was already a whole musical about P. T. Barnum even before that movie happened more recently. uh and like a lot of the those of us who were sort of in the background, we were always doing some circus stuff, and a bunch of us learned how to juggle, and so i could um I could juggle three balls for a short amount of time. Uh, but scarves because they're twist. They're like floaty. You have a lot more leeway, and so I, right. could, I could juggle scarves pretty well. Also, though, only three of them.
0: See, I could only get as far as the two ball circle. Mm-hmm. I could never do the three. I just like. It didn't matter how much, like, dance or movement training I had had. When it came to that, I may as well have just smacked them out of the air. Yeah. Like a cat. I didn't know. I could not grasp it. (laughs) (laughs) Not in my skill set at all. I have no no future in the circus, alas.
1: Well, and musical theater wasn't in my skill set either, because I was not a good singer or a good dancer. But boy, did I love musical theater so
0: much. See, I was, the, uh, I like I said, I had dance training. I'm not a good singer, but I was that snooty kid who was like, musical theater, I want to do Ibsen. Like I was that kid, <laughs> that irritating child um, that, you know, poo-pooed musical theater. It's still not my thing, but it's fine. And I know people that love it and get joy from it. Great. Um, I still have that thing where I don't like to watch people sing. So that's part of it. Mm. <laughs> But I would love for someone to do a play, be it musical or no, about Charles Colchester. Yeah. I feel like his life story, what we know of it, is very, very interesting. I did stumble across a a blog of a person who, years ago, did some pretty intensive searching to try to triangulate who he might have actually been, which is interesting. It's not you know, easy to substantiate beyond Mm -hmm. kind of that work, which he did a lot of legwork. But the other thing that we didn't mention in the episode, because it's, again, not provable, I did stumble across one news article at his death that claimed that he was only 27. Huh. And most do claim that he was still pretty young when all of this was going on, but because we don't know his date of birth or anything about him, like all you can do is is make the the quizzical puppy face, because I don't know for sure. Mm. Uh, it is a mystery. A mystery. I really suspect uh, that he and John Wilkes Booth probably shared some information after a few drinks. Mm-hmm. And that is probably how he got wind of what was being plotted regarding right. the president. Right. Whether that was the original plan of kidnapping or when Booth had transitioned to the idea of shooting the president. One of those, I think, probably got blabbed after some cocktails, yeah, 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 probably not cocktails. They were probably just swills from a bottle, but <laughs> but in any case, uh yeah, charles Colchester, fascinating creature, still shrouded in mystery, mm-hmm. even though there were trials and news reports and connections to the president, and yet that's like the stone that sits only partly turned,
1: yeah.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian.
1: This week on the show, we talked about gin, (laughs) which... Uh is a thing that I've thought about doing on the show for a while, off and on. Uh, and then getting an email directly asking for it made me go, okay, sure. This will not just feel like my personal interest
0: that I am doing as an episode for no one's benefit but my own. I'm I have no hesitation to do I'm interested in this, so I'm doing <laughs>
1: <laughs> when it comes to uh to spirits, gin is the thing that I think that I have the most often. And so this was a fun one to research for me. I have never had Yenever, which um, as we alluded to in the episode, if you um if you read and speak English as your first language and are not from Holland or that vicinity, it looks like it's Geneva. <laughs> Or Jennifer, uh, which uh, threw me for a loop when I heard somebody say it for the very first time. And I was like, oh, uh, I thought about trying to to get some of that so I could taste it for myself. And in my limited time and effort to look into that possibility, did not find anywhere local that carried it. So I did not then worry about that. I did discover, however, the airline KLM makes these little blue, these like, Delft Blue Houses that are um, made to look like real buildings, usually real historic buildings. Uh, They give them to people who are flying world business class, and they're filled with your neighbor. And I was just like, this is a fascinating little airline thing to me. What a little house, a little house that has liquor in it that looks like a real house, uh, this is exactly the sort of thing that if I uh, wanted to start a new collection of something, I would start
0: collecting. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to book a lot of international business class travel.
1: Yeah, they uh, they put out a new one each year, and apparently there's an app that you can. <laughs> oh
0: like, my goodness! Oh <laughs> yeah, my goodness!
1: Um, people are apparently very uh, into these things. I had never heard of them until researching this episode. Uh, I also made mention in the episode of uh, some of the very old texts that I read for this that were full of the long S's that look like F's. And I always enjoy reading them because it just delights me when the S's look like F's. Most of the time, for me, the words that are written this way, um, printed this way, are easy for me to figure out. But there was one word in particular um that really threw me for a loop and what it looks like on the page with the long s's it looks like f e n f e l e f s and i just stared at it for a while and was like what is this word supposed to be and i co- finally copied it out of the you know the scan that i was working with i paste it into a word document and replaced all of the Fs individually, and then went, oh, senseless, obviously.
0: (laughs) You also mentioned in the episode that you did not bring up your favorite gin beverage, so now I'm curious what it is. I do really like a bee's knees. Oh, that's right. We have had those together on occasion. Yeah.
1: Um, They are very sweet, so if you're not into sweet things, then it would probably not be for you. Right, there's some honey in there. There's honey in there. The first time that I ever had one was at a place called Float Away Cafe when I was still living in Atlanta. Um, And I had the first sift of it. And then I was like, okay, two of these is the number (laughs) that is allowed (laughs) for me to have. And then no more of this. Because it uh, it also was mixed that I could tell it was like pretty potent in addition to being uh, very sweet. So yeah, that's a favorite of mine. Fascinating. Yeah. My my spouse likes a French 75. Oh, I love
0: he, a French 75 these he days. He thinks
1: he doesn't like gin at all. Um,
0: <laughs> I uh, hated gin for a long time, or said that I hated gin. And then, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but during pandemic, one of the things I decided to do was take online bartending classes. <laughs> uh, which forced me to kind of look at, at gin in new ways and to have to practice some gin... Mm-hmm. Beverages and I realized that there are some gins that I actually like. I do not like a dry gin, and I don't think I ever will. That's just yeah. That's just what it is. And I think that's why I thought that I disliked it so much. Sure. I don't also love juniper either. Like I don't mm-hmm. love that kind of piney, you know, some people have like it's a very piney taste on their yeah. taste buds, and I don't love that. But um there I found some gins that I like, and I discovered that I really like a French 75. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I also uh, like a Tom Collins if it's made with yeah. a gin that I like. Yeah, um,
1: most of the gins that I tend to have on hand at home tend to be on the more like the more floral or herbal end of the spectrum, and not uh, just like primarily alcohol plus juniper end of the spectrum. Right. There is a local ish to me. Uh, it's not that far away. Um, called Short Path Distillery, and they make seasonal gins. Um, So they have a spring, summer, and winter, and fall. And their summer one has a lot of, like, berry notes in it, um, which makes for all kinds of interesting things. So, yeah, I also, I have kind of a complicated relationship with these kinds of episodes. uh, Because I do know several people, personally, who have um, really struggled with alcohol abuse and a few people who ultimately lost their lives to it. And so whenever I am thinking about this kind of thing, I'm always like, please drink responsibly. And if you need help, seek help, uh, which there is help.
0: Yes. One thing that's been interesting. So on the other show that I do, Criminalia, we do a cocktail usually that's themed to each episode. And when we did our imposter season, we did mocktails for yeah. that. Yeah. And then I really we just had such a nice response and it really made me think about that in a way that now I try to always do both a an alcohol beverage and a mocktail version of it which has been quite fun. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's been it's been interesting to try to I feel like you can never really replicate an alcoholic beverage with a non-alcoholic substitute unless you're doing one of those Uh, beverages which have become quite popular in the last couple of years that are essentially made to be just like alcohol but they're not Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm talking about like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like they're like faux vodkas and faux gins that are made but it is fun to try to experiment and find what can kind of give you a similar flavor in some cases depending on the profile that you're going for and that's been quite fun yeah it's tricky because i i love a a good cocktail and i love to but i like, I mean, there's certainly loads of alcoholism in my family. So right. <laughs> so it is something that I think about as well. And uh, like I said, I hope everyone drinks responsibly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There used to be, um, I think they still have an online store, but I think their brick and mortar location closed. But it was a, a store in Portland, Maine that specialized just in bitters Um, And also had a mocktail bar, and that was where they sort of showcased all of the bitters that they had available. And so another thing that I've had in my head at at something to maybe do a show on at some point is bitters, which simultaneously feels maybe way too broad (laughs) and maybe also kind of fun, because I love a good bitter.
0: I mean, they're... They absolutely scientifically fascinate me, right? Because you can make a drink and you literally put in two to four drops of a thing and it changes the whole thing, uh, which is so fascinating. And I feel like I still don't, I I mess around with bitters and I am still learning really more how to be um, deft with them. But there are also so many that it's like, I feel like you can learn how to use one bitter really well and then you Mm -hmm. have to move to the next one in a cumulative knowledge-gaining process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This may just be me, but...
1: Yeah. I'll also just sparkling waters, bitters. and then Really? <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. So, anyway, that's some of our personal drink thoughts slash future episode topics. Uh, so, thanks to everybody for joining us on this Friday. We'll... Be back into your feed tomorrow with a Saturday Classic brand new episode on Monday. Send us a note if you would like. We're at HistoryPodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
0: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. I oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, Ten girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover
1: why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So, if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture.